This episode is sponsored by the Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle. If your goal is to level up your jazz playing this year and feel confident improvising over jazz standards, the Inner Circle has everything you need and more. With monthly jazz standard studies, a library of powerful courses, and a vibrant community of like-minded musicians, you're guaranteed to improve your playing every single month. Podcast listeners can get 50% off their first month when you go to ljsinnercircle.com. That's ljsinnercircle.com or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. I've got a special guest on the show today who talks about how he uses musical parameters in his jazz practice sessions to really level them up, to really hone in on certain elements to get the very most out of them. We're going to talk all about that and more, but first let's cue the music. Welcome to the LJS Podcast, where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And now your host, he's a jazz musician, author, and entrepreneur, Brent Bartstra. What's up, everybody? It is Brent, the jazz musician behind the website LearnJazzStandards.com, which is a blog, a podcast, and videos all geared towards helping you become a better jazz musician. I want to thank you so much for listening today. Uh, whether this is your very first time or if you are a regular listener, I do appreciate it. I don't take it for granted. And uh, because of that, I have lined up a really great special show for you with a special guest uh, Josiah Bornasian. He's a saxophonist, composer, a teacher, uh, really a brilliant musician. He also is a regular writer on the LGS blog, does a lot of theory posts, uh, just really brilliant musical mind. And he's been on the show, but he hasn't been on in a very long time. So very excited to get him on the show today where we're going to be talking about a lot of things, some general tips. Uh, he really lays down the goods today. Uh, you're definitely not going to want to miss this one, but we do hone in especially on uh, the topic of using parameters in your practice sessions. Uh, we go over three different kinds of parameters that you can use uh, to really hone in on material and really get the very most out of it. Uh, you'll learn all about that in one second, so I don't want to spoil anything, uh, but that is the topic for today. Really excited about this. Uh, Josiah just always enlightens me. I learn a lot from uh, talking to him and just uh, learning from him and hearing him play. I mean, everything about who he is as a musician is really inspiring. So I know that he will also inspire you too. That is why I have guests on the show. Uh, that is that that is why I keep doing this to inspire, to educate. Josiah also talks about uh, a book that he's come out with recently. It's a jazz improvisation and theory book. Uh, you're not going to want to miss that one either. He talks more about that at the end, but uh, make sure you visit his website. It's josiahbornasian.com. It's a tough one, so I'll spell it for you. It's J-O-S-I-A-H-B-O-O-R-Z-A-N-I-A-N.com. Check him out there. Hey, we got a lot to talk about, so without further ado, let's jump in to today's show. All right, welcoming on the show today is saxophonist, composer, uh, arranger, educator, Josiah Bernasian. Hey, Josiah, it's been a while since we had you on, so man, I'm excited to have you on today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been a minute. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be back. So you've been on several episodes, but some of them were really early on. Maybe not everybody knows who you are, and uh, I, I definitely want people to know. In fact, if they don't know who you are, man, that's how, how do people not know who you are, right? You're like, <laughs> well, I guess they don't. So uh, let's, 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 let's hear the story. Like, who are you? What do you do? What, what keeps you busy? 
Well, um, like you said, I, uh, I'm a saxophonist, but you know, like, like most of us, I, I wear many different hats. I'm also an electronic musician. I make electronic music and I, I perform and record mixing my jazz and live uh, saxophone playing with effects pedals and uh, digitally sequenced music. I teach part-time at the University of Miami right now. I'm finishing up my doctorate there. It's a Doctor of Musical Arts degree in Jazz Studies. And uh, I also compose, do a bit of freelance teaching, and uh, also trying to be a jazz musician, you know, so making records uh, with my friends and touring a little bit. was uh, touring Europe last year. I'm in New York uh, at least four or five times a year and uh, playing a lot locally here in Miami. So I'm a, a little bit all over the place, but that's that's the world we live in. You have to you have to be diverse if you want to make a living doing this music. So, oh, absolutely, absolutely. And so, when I think about you, uh, I think about uh, you know someone who is just insanely musical. I think when I first met you. Uh, it was at a jam session in New York, and we were both going to uh, the same college. Uh, except for that, you know, we're the same age, but you were like, you know, doing. You were like student teaching already. You were doing your 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 uh, your master's degree or something, you know. So, I mean, you're just always someone who's been, uh, in my opinion, ahead of the curve. I mean, you're an incredible composer. You're an incredible educator, uh, and uh, so it's uh, it's always been great to have you on. And what was it about a year and a half ago? Uh, when I started shifting a lot of my efforts towards the podcast and now making videos, uh, I started having you on for the blog, at which you create an amazing, uh, a lot of amazing monthly content for the Learn Jazz Standards blog. Uh, so, man, I appreciate you doing that. And I think everybody uh, who's listening should definitely be checking out his stuff because uh, you just lay down some awesome stuff over there. Oh, well, thank you. It's it's my pleasure to be able to... Um share my uh, my thoughts and my insights with the uh, the community you know we have a great community here at learn jazz standards and the the feedback i get is just uh, just wonderful you know and i have people who i correspond with sometimes so it's it's a real treat and very rewarding for me and i'm i'm uh, i'm very uh, grateful and fulfilled that people are getting some value out of the uh, uh, insights and and thoughts that i share that's awesome. And so you, you know, obviously you are, uh, you know, you are a jazz trained musician. You do electronic music, you do all kinds of stuff like you were just talking about. Um, now, as far as like, let's talk for a second a little bit, because I think the audience is always interested in just hearing from successful musicians and, you know, kind of like how they started to really like take things up to the next level. Like what were some things that um, you started doing or you started working on in the practice room, um, you know, before all of this happened, like maybe when you were just starting getting started, like what were some things that you found were like really uh, helped you like level up your skills? Well, very early on, so we're talking in, in high school for me. Um, I'm from California originally. I grew up there, and I, I started playing around the age of 11. And um, I was really lucky that um, I got to start working professionally when I was 12. Um, my stepdad played in a little local community jazz band, and he went back to school to get his doctorate and couldn't play in the band anymore, so I took his spot. So number one is um, experience, experience, experience. Um, uh, I'm going to talk a lot about practicing in a second. And before I talk right. about practicing, you know, those early experiences of before I hit the shed for four to six hours a day for a number of years, I was always connected to 
the actual performing side of music, getting out in front of live audiences and making music with real people in front of other real people. There's invaluable lessons that you learn from that type of experience, and you just can't replicate that in the practice room. But that being said, um, uh, in late middle school, I started getting, after I started playing in this big band, that's when I started to get a little more serious. So um, I took some private lessons, which I absolutely highly recommend for everybody. You need to get yeah. not just one, but multiple good private teachers over the course of your life as a musician. The more different perspectives on um, the music you can get, the better, because everybody has a different personality, a different learning style, and different interests and tastes when it comes to music. And so, um, you know, you might find one teacher, you click and connect with a lot of what they have to say, but maybe not everything, so you want to diversify. So after getting a private teacher then, I, I learned that, you know, practicing is really, really important. So especially starting around high school, um, I, I started spending, when I'd come home from school, at least two to four hours a day practicing and I really started with the the most foundational things um, which nobody can skip I, I think and that's number one working on your sound whatever your instrument is working on developing really good sound um, even you know guitar and piano uh, and drums which we we don't tend to think of as being you know instruments that need to spend as much time on their sound you you really should uh, spend time thinking about your sound and your touch um, as you're practicing your foundational technical exercises. So I spend a lot of time, even today, working on my sound as a saxophone player. It's the first thing that, that people hear about you when you play, the first thing they notice. And it's one of the most important things. You know, if you if you don't have a good sound to begin with, it doesn't, doesn't matter how wonderful your ideas are or how hip your ideas are you're, you're, uh, you're going to lose the audience. So I spent a lot of time with sound and a lot of time on scales early on for me. And I have to say right. that was huge because um, I used to just spend hours and hours and hours practicing scales and scale patterns. And so I never had particularly good ears naturally. But when I got to college, I managed to uh, excel in my ear training classes I'm convinced because I had so much experience playing scales and scale patterns. When you practice scales and intervals, you just hear intervals through sheer repetition. And when you practice scales, you hear scales through sheer repetition. And I think that gave me a leg up on my competition for my ear training, um, which was important because, like I said, I'm, I don't have a naturally gifted ear. I've had to work very hard at training my ear. So working on your sound, working on scales. Um, and then I really dug in in college, and again, I had at least a couple of years where I was practicing at least two to four hours a day, if not four to six hours a day. And that's on top of, you know, the uh, playing I was doing in ensembles, at jam sessions, and um, performing around town. So that was an important period. And, you know, the same kind of thing is working on foundational things, still working a lot on my sound, um, and really starting to focus on working on my time and on um, sharpening my uh, harmony knowledge so I could get better at keeping track of forms and when I'm soloing yep. over forms and, and really come up with a better method of learning tunes so that they stick with me forever. And I still rely on that practicing that I did um, those first two or three years in college. Every day I, I rely on that practicing that I did. So, 
Awesome. So LGS community, let's let's review a little bit about what Josiah said. He just said a lot of valuable stuff. Let's unpack that just a little bit. We need to be getting experience, right? Because at the end of the day, we can be sitting in the practice room all day long. But if you're not going out there and getting some real world application, going to those jam sessions, you know, going out and trying to get a gig with some people, without that, you know, our jazz education is incomplete. So we need to be uh, doing that. Now, Josiah, like there's a lot of people in the audience, you know, I'm going to put you on the spot here, but there's a lot of people in the audience who don't live in maybe metropolitan areas that have more playing experience. Could you give any uh, advice for people that are like not feeling like they have a lot of people to interact with and play with? Yeah. Well, um, the first thing I would do is I would, I would see if, if there's any community resources that you can reach out to try and connect with other musicians. So like I said, growing up for me, I grew up in a very, very small town in the Mojave Desert with only one high school in the town. And yet even in that small town, we had you know, uh, a professional uh, Dixieland band, a professional big band. Um, so I was connected through my stepdad, who was a musician, as I mentioned, he got connected to playing with those community bands. So number one, uh, do a Google search of your area, go to any local schools high schools, colleges, find out if there are musicians, young or old, and and connect with them and try and create opportunities. If there aren't opportunities that are uh, walking through your door, you have to walk out the door and create some opportunities. And so those are good places to start. Um, Schools, uh, internet search, because it's really important, like you said, to just connect with some people and even if it's as simple uh, to start out with as just getting, you know, two or three other people together who are like-minded and meeting up at someone's house with whatever instrumentation you have and and making music together, even if you need to use a backing track, you know, if you don't have a drummer or, or uh, you don't have a bassist or you don't have a chord instrument, um, you, you have to get get a little creative, but it will absolutely pay off. Absolutely. And you talked also, you talked about having uh, teachers and not just like one teacher, but having uh, multiple different teachers with different perspectives. Uh, listen, we all need guidance. We all need that perspective. We need, you know, we need some handholding sometimes. And so that's so important. You also talked about uh, what I, you talked about your sound and stuff like that. That's really important. That's true that I feel like uh, as a guitar player, I don't necessarily always think about my sound. And no, I'm not talking about the pedals you buy or all that stuff, but that stuff is all important plays a big part. Um, now you, I really loved what you said about working on those scales. Um, I, I call that tech. I call it technique. I kind of put all that around, and that's uh, what I call. And those who've been listening for the last month or so know that I call the big three. And technique is the very first one because if we don't have that technique, it can be hard to uh, do everything else that improvisation requires. But you said something that I've never thought about before, or never even said before, which is that it helped you like train your ears <laughs> and even just doing that stuff set you up for success. So it's cool to hear all your stuff that you just said, like kind of the, the behind the scenes, the, the before it all started almost of the very foundational elements that have set you up to be such a great player. So thanks so much for sharing all that. That's incredibly valuable. Um, take notes folks, if you aren't already. All right. So let's, let's move on a little bit. Um, we've talked about practicing. You said you spent a lot of time in the practice session, uh, you know, practicing, having practice sessions. Um, what would you say, how long should people be practicing? Um, what's necessary? What's not necessary? Um, it's, it's a tough question because you're, 
amount of practicing is really dependent on a number of factors. Uh, the most important one being your ability level. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you're, if you're John Coltrane, uh, the great irony is that he used to practice, you know, sometimes 8 to 12 hours a day when he was already at the level where he probably didn't need to practice that much. And um, everybody's personality is a little bit different. So some people, when they get to that extreme level of um, technical ability, the more they practice can actually hinder their musical growth because Mm -hmm. then they become so focused on themselves and technique that they're not sharpening the more creative and communicative side of their playing. But for the vast majority of us who are not at that level, myself included, we need to put in the hours. Bottom line, if, if you're serious about growing, if you're serious about getting together, uh, uh, a good uh, mastery of your instrument and of this music, it's going to require a minimum number of, of hours of practicing. You know, and Malcolm Gladwell and some other uh, scholars have thrown out the 10,000 hour number, which is, I think, it's a, a pretty decent rule of thumb. So I kind of use that as a guideline and I say, hey, look, you know, if, if you're going to put together a five year plan or a 10 year plan, um, what's you got to look at what's realistic for your lifestyle, but if possible, I'd make two hours a day your your sort of your benchmark. You know, if if you skip a day, if you even skip a week, it's not the end of the world. You know, if most days you're at ninety minutes, but a couple days you're at three hours, you know, you you don't need to drive yourself crazy with um, uh, being uh, you know militaristic about tracking every minute. But the important thing is to, to get the time in. So I think that two hours a day is a is a good shooting uh, target, and the thing is, it also doesn't have to be continuous. Um, so you know, a lot of us are busy, and and you might have a family, uh, a day job, so on and so forth, other hobbies. So sometimes it's hard to carve out two hours solid. And actually, mm-hmm. there's some research that it's actually better to break up your your practice session. There there was a, a really interesting study recently about um, classical musicians where they all practiced the same amount and some people did it in one big block and other people broke it up into like 45 minutes to an hour and a half at night before they went to bed and then 45 minutes to an hour and a half like right when they got up the next morning and that group had the best results by far so there's something about you know like a little bit of you work on something kind of in the evening or at night then you let it go you sleep on it and then in the morning, you hit it again, and it just is great for for uh, your brain and for for mastery. So, in addition to the time, it's really important to say that um, yes, you have to put in the hours, but it's not just all about quantity; it's about quality as right. well. And so, I would say that in addition to getting those minimum ten thousand hours in over the course of a few years, really focus on as I know you. Um, are a big advocate of goal-oriented practicing. Have very concrete goals where you break up your practice session into very clear categories where you say, I'm going to do 30 minutes of this long tone exercise and my goal is to be able to play, you know, every note on my instrument, you know, from piano to forte in tune with a tuner. Or I'm going to spend 30 minutes working on this tune and by the end of the session I want to be able to walk a bass line, I want to be able to play the tune in three different keys, and I want to be able to play the melody, you know, and know all the changes, and so on and so forth. The listeners get the idea. The point is to have some very concrete, concrete goals 
in how you carve up the time so that you don't end up just spending two hours kind of noodling, um, playing through things that you're already good at. You know, we want to find that balance where we're, um, we're challenging ourselves with things that we know we need to work on and uh, make sure we're setting clear targets so that we're, we're working toward that and not just wasting time. Awesome. Love it. So oh, great. So we, 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 we get, we need to be working on these things. Uh, this is how long we should be working if we're really trying to amp up those skills, you know, level up pretty quickly here. So great, great information here. So let's talk a little bit, you know, we've talked a lot about practicing on this podcast over the last couple of months here. Let's hone in a little deeper on this kind of stuff. And uh, I know you want to talk about parameters today in our practicing. So tell me when we're talking about setting parameters uh, within our practice sessions, uh, tell me what you mean by that. And uh, maybe let's, let's expand uh, a little bit i know that you have three categories you want to work out of here yeah that's a great question so i mean by parameters i mean giving yourself clear guidelines or restrictions about what you're doing while you're practicing so that you can focus on one specific area of music making so uh, you know music has many 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 elements you know dynamics how loud or soft we're playing timbre, the quality of the sound we're producing, um, form, the overall structure of the music we're making, and then the big three that most people think about, melody, harmony, rhythm, right? We have all of these elements of music like these, and they're, they all interact with each other in complex ways. And so if you want to improve your playing in any one of these areas, or in all of them, sometimes it's really useful to sort of ignore some aspects and really focus on one and um, go even deeper and give yourself very clear restrictions so that you are forcing yourself to kind of get creative. You know, some people use the metaphor of the sandbox where you create a little box for yourself and um, you can't go outside of the box, but you can do whatever you want, build any type of sandcastle you want within the box. I found that that's been really, really helpful for me in both sharpening my fundamental skills but also teaching me how to develop a, uh, a set of vocabulary, a set of strategies for improvising that I consider to be highly creative and unique and individualistic because instead of just memorizing pieces of vocabulary and then uh, reciting them, um, I'm, I'm more focused on picking one aspect of music that I want to emphasize and then getting creative with that. So, and I can give some concrete examples if you want to make that a little more uh, clear. Yeah, definitely, absolutely. So, parameters. I mean, they're they're helpful because, and tell me if you if I'm getting this right. You know, they're they're hyper focusing on an aspect of your 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 musicianship. You know, maybe sometimes you wouldn't necessarily uh, improvise uh, that way, the way that you're practicing in this moment, but what you're doing is just hyper amping up a certain element, whether it's uh, rhythm or, or whatever it is to really try to get that, uh, under your, your fingers into your subconscious so that when it does come to the point where we're able to, you know, perform and jam and improvise that those skills become easier. Do I got that right? Absolutely. And I would go even one step further and say that, um, the sort of parameter setting games that I play with myself can also become uh, motivating ideas for an improvisation, for a solo. Um, you know, to give, a, to give a concrete example, so let's say I'm going to practice on rhythm. I want to focus on rhythm. So let's say for 20 or 30 minutes, 
I'll put on a timer, I'll pull up uh, a play along of a tune that I'm working on, and I'll give myself a very uh, strict parameter. So one of them might be, for example, I'm only going to um, start and end every phrase on an upbeat. So I'm forcing myself to get off of, off of downbeats. So I, I can start a phrase on the end of one, end of two, end of three, end of four, and I have to also end it on the end of one, end of two, end of three, end of four. Already, uh, now I can't rely on scales and patterns and licks. because I just can't because those kind of things immediately go out the window once you, you do a paradigm shift and you start thinking in terms of parameters this way. So let's say that's my, my parameter exercise. I can think of it as an exercise and I can, I can practice that way. Or... You know, after I start to develop that skill, well, now, you know, that's a, a, another trick in my bag of tricks, so to speak, that I can pull out on the bandstand when I'm actually improvising. If I want to inject more uh, syncopation, more excitement, more rhythmic variety, more of a rhythmic intensity and, and focus and drive into my solo, I can fall back on this idea, this concept of only playing on upbeats. Um, and it's those simple little paradigm shifts that come from forcing yourself to look at restricted parameters that can sometimes transform uh, your playing, transform your approach to improvisation. And in, in the heat of battle, in the heat of the moment, when you're improvising a solo and you feel like it needs something uh, to shift it in a different direction, you can pull out some of these strategies as well. So I, I view them not just as tools for the practice room, but also as tools for practical application when you're making music okay so category one rhythm that's a parameter we can work out of right um could you i mean you could use the example you just gave could you possibly play an example of that just so we can kind of get a better idea sure i mean yeah i'll, I'll play a. uh how about i'll do like uh, i'll do maybe the first four eight bars or so of stella by starlight it, okay. it, it might sound a little weird because you don't have a rhythm section to give you... Oh, right. There's no metronome going. Um, right. But I, I can still kind of give you the idea. I'll count myself <laughs> okay. in. So, yeah. so I'm going to try and do four or eight bars of so, and I'm only going to start every little melodic phrase on upbeats, and I'm going to also try and end on upbeats. So I'm never landing, landing on a downbeat. One, well, the good, news, the good news before you start is that even if you mess up, no one can tell you that you did because they don't even know what that the, they they can't prove what time you've been playing in. You know, yeah, like, I could what, just stand down me the whole time. And say, yeah. <laughs> no, I'll try, I'll try right, myself. I'll, I'll count for it, myself in it. and try and keep myself honest. All awesome, right, here we go. go for it. Stella, uh, one, two, oh, one, two, three, four. <laughs> Uh, I cheated at the end. I hit a downbeat. I was like, already, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just getting off, you know, one and two and three and four and playing, playing on the ands of the beats, so to speak. And yeah. it just automatically gives you a little more swing emphasis, gives you a little more lift in, in the playing. And it forces you to think, uh, almost by definition, it forces you to think a little bit more motivically as opposed to thinking about oh, yeah. lines. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. I lo I love that. I, when I was listening to you do it, I was like, "Ooh, I, I probably would have biffed it before you did." But like, you know, I was listening to that and I was like, "Man, that's excellent." For I was actually thinking literally about creating motivic ideas because you can take the same uh, the same phrase but transpose that over a different chord, and that that's actually would be a really good way to even if you're 
if you're not a great improviser, maybe that would be a great place to start to even is just create a, a small little phrase that ended on the end of three or four, and then just kind of try to figure out a way to repeat that over the different chords going through. Maybe that would be an idea. Yeah, I can, I can, I can show you that. So, you know, and that's a really good point. What you're getting at is also um, the, the great thing about this kind of stuff is that you can, um, you can dial the parameters to be more specific or less specific. So that one I would say is kind of medium, right? Only yeah. starting on upbeats and ending on upbeats. That's kind of medium specific. I could make it even a little bit more general and just say, oh, I want to focus on syncopation. So now I'm focusing my attention on syncopation. Or what's really useful, especially if you're first starting out with these parameters, is to actually go the opposite direction. I, I can make it even more specific to start because then there's even less thinking involved um, uh, and you can really dig in. So, uh, you know, I'll do the same for eight bar, four to eight bars or so and I'm going to even be more specific. I'm going to start everything on the end of two and end it on the end of four. One, two, three, four. <laughs> you know so it forces you into yeah. even smaller simpler rhythmic phrases so i'm just thinking starting every phrase every little micro phrase on the end of two and ending it on the end of four um awesome so there's a lot of, of wiggle room for more specificity or, or less depending on what your needs are and your goals are that's super awesome, and that's amazing. Okay, so category one for parameters, creating parameters is rhythm and time. So that's, oh man, that's amazing stuff already. Um, what about, let's move on to category two. What's category two? Well, for me, category two is what I think of as being kind of um, uh, the the marriage of harmony and melody, right? Because they, they go hand in hand, right? Right, yes. um, Every melody implies some sort of uh, harmonic foundation, and when there's a harmonic foundation, what we're doing as improvisers is we're improvising a melody, basically, right? So with this one, it's the same idea. You know, um, my my goal is is to to get my creative juices flowing and break out of my uh, my habits um, and break away from just kind of playing really standard uh, lines, uh, jazz lines. So how do I do that? Well, I I can give myself all sorts of restrictions about um, what part of the chord I'm going to play uh, mm. if I'm thinking more harmonically or my harmonic approach to the tune. For example, um, there's an article I wrote a while back on uh, taking the melodic minor scale and, and really just going, going hog wild and maximizing, you know, how many places can I cram the melodic minor scale into the form of Stella by Starlight. So yes. I'll practice... I'll, I'll, I'll practice. So there's a harmonic angle, a harmonic parameter. Um, or we're gonna melodic- we're, we're gonna we're gonna link that up in the show notes to today. By the way, for those listening, we'll have that in the show notes for anybody who wants to uh, check that out. Go go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, no you. problem. Um, uh, well, also harmonically, you know, or for example, I, I can think about some sort of some part of the chord. So a basic example that you and I have both already talked about a lot, which we don't think of as being a parameter, but it is a parameter exercise, is the idea of guide tones, thirds and sevens, right? That's a yes. parameter. I'm going, to, I'm going to emphasize thirds and sevens, um, or you can say I'm only going to play extensions of chords, or if you need more drilling on the, the basic jazz harmony, start the opposite way. Start with, you know, I want to, I want to hit a root, a third, and a fifth on, a, on the downbeat of every bar, you know, um, so you can look at it from a harmonic angle, or you can look at it from a melodic angle. 
So there's a lot of options with melodic angles. Again, you and I have both already already talked about triads on the site before, yeah. which again, yes. we, we can now add into this discussion that, you know, that's a parameter, right? I'm, I want to um, improvise using only tr major and or minor triads. Um, but, and you can take that, that kind of specific idea and make it more general and say, okay, well, you can give yourself creative restrictions with your note choice, with, um, with pitch content. So, you know, one of uh, a quick example of a fun one I like to do is I'll say, I'm only going to allow myself to play two or three different pitches per chord and see if I can come up with cool little melodic cells that um, have some common tones or maybe not, but basically that still somehow voice leap through the changes. I'm, I'm somehow still kind of communicating the, the changes. Um, so, you know, Ooh, for example, can, here, can I'll, hear I'll that? try yeah. to do maybe four bars on a on a on a uh, concert B flat blues. So I'll awesome. take I'll take a three note little cell and I'll try and allow myself to only play um, only three three pitches at a time uh, per chord. One, two, one, two, can hear the form of the blues right so i'm still hopefully yeah. voice leading enough i heard it i heard um, it but really only playing three pitches for every measure for every chord change and uh again it just automatically forces you out of all of your normal habits that we sometimes get stuck in as an improviser and forces you into a paradigm shift where you're thinking in a totally different way and you just surprise yourself with with what you come up with and, and again, it just really lends itself to motivic development and to, to um, helping you focus on the, the larger form, which would bring me to category three. Um, awesome. Category three. So we talked about, you know, rhythm is category number one for parameters. Uh, melody harmony for number two. Number three are, are, is what I would generically call more conceptual uh, restrictions, and so I, I would put form in that category where you're thinking about, you know, the overall arc or the overall structure of your solo. How do you want the energy to progress? So you can give yourself parameters that way. Um, one example is, you know, I might want to structure my solo. It could be the whole solo, but more more often than not, it's just one part of the solo. So let's say I'm going to structure one chorus or half a chorus by setting up a little uh, call and response with myself. Um, hmm. I, I, with my students at the university, I call this my, my Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde face, where I'll do two or four <laughs> bars with one kind of vibe and then just immediately jump to two or four bars with another kind of vibe. And this sort of brings it all together because how do you set up a vibe? Well, you have to have some sort of parameter. So it could be rhythmic. So a classic example would be I might play two or four bar units where I'm playing swinging eighth notes, and then I'll jump on the next two or four bars, I'll, I'll play only triplet rhythms, and then I'll go back and forth. So it's almost like I'm setting up these two dual personalities that are fighting against each other. So I'll do it in two bar phrases on a blues. So I'll eighth notes and then triplets. One, two, three, four. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
I achieved a little couple eight notes in the last triplet, yeah. but it just yeah. sets you up in um, a totally different structural way of thinking about form. Or you can even get bigger picture and say, like, okay, you know, I don't want to have any eighth notes in my line or in my solo at all until, let's say, 16 bars in or a chorus in, you know, or, um, or you could do the opposite. Let's say instead of doing the classic solo arc where I start kind of low, medium energy, and then I build to a climax and then just let the energy come down a little bit at the end, kind of like the structure of a good novel, that's classic. I could say, well, what if I just do something totally different? Like, what if I come out guns blazing and just play all my eighth note and sixteenth lines at the beginning of my solo and then wind it down and then hand the solo over to a bass player when it's Ooh. now it's lower energy. That's that's a, a strategy I use a lot um, on, on gigs. So, you know, those are more conceptual things, but you're still giving yourself a parameter, right? You've got a goal, you've got a game you're playing with yourself. And it gives you gives you a structure, gives you something to to strive towards while you're improvising. So I would also add, you know, not just form to think about. You can think about things like timbre, like you could start start your solo with warm, soft, round timbres and get edgier as you go along. Or you can include dynamics. You know, what if I what if I start and I'm just going to play pianissimo for eight bars, and then and then on the the ninth bar. Bam, a forte phrase, and then back down to pianissimo for seven hours, and then bam, forte. You know, you can. There's no limit to how creative you can get with these parameters. So, I mean, there's so many different things you could just do with conception. I mean, even combining rhythm and melody and harmony and Absolutely. all that stuff together. Yeah, the better you get at these, start mixing and matching. Say, I'm only going to play three notes per bar, and I'm only going to play on upbeats. And I'm going to start my solo pianissimo and be at fortis- crescendo to fortissimo by bar nine. You know, um, but obviously start with fewer elements as you're, you're getting your bearings. Awesome. Man, this has been amazing, amazing stuff. I mean, I'm learning a lot. I know everybody in the audience is learning a lot. I'm thinking to myself, hey, I want to, I'm going to, I'm going to like lock in some of these categories and setting parameters the next time I get a chance to practice. So I would say for everybody listening today, this is a great challenge. Pick one or multiple of these parameters and just say, hey, you know what? The next time I practice, uh, whatever it is I'm going to practice, I'm going to set one of these parameters, whether it be rhythmic or melodic and harmonic or or conceptual, and I'm going to try practicing some of this stuff. I mean, so just total total gold mine of stuff today. So thanks, Bor- uh, Josiah, Bornasian. Thanks, <laughs> Josiah, so much for uh, just laying it down today. Now I know that you have uh, a book out now, an improvisation book. I want you to talk a little bit about it because I know that there's people listening, and we talked about you know having multiple different forms of guidance. And I know that you're someone I would highly suggest everybody check out because you are just incredible musician and teacher. So talk a little bit about your book. Uh, Yeah, well, so, you know, um, speaking of guidance, so I've been fortunate. I've had so many wonderful teachers over the years that I I kind of started keeping like um, a portfolio combined with a a journal over over many years. And then a couple years ago, I started to compile almost kind of like everything I've ever learned <laughs> that is applicable to creative improvisation in in a jazz context, but also even beyond jazz. So if you're into avant-garde music or if you want to improvise a great solo over a pop tune um, or improvise in the context of being a composer. Um, and I, I kind of compiled all of this into one book. And then at the beginning of the book, there is a section that's just for saxophone players 
where I, I sum up a lot of the um, thoughts and insights about saxophone playing and the approach to saxophone playing. So uh, everybody who gets the book gets the whole book. So if you're not a saxophone player, you just will probably skip the first couple chapters. But there's a lot of stuff in there from foundational theory all the way up to these more complex ideas about um, form and phrasing and and um, and all of that. So, you know, I, I, I break it up into these kind of big categories. I talk about uh, there's a big section in the book on rhythm and time and conceptualizing rhythm and time and practicing rhythm and time. There's a huge section on melody and harmony uh, on uh, with a, a, a big theory supplement section to make sure you've got most of your bases covered with music theory so that you can understand all the exercises that I talk about and their applications. And then I close out with a big discussion of form. And then there's a, some other fun little supplements. There's just a huge list of artists that I like to listen to um, and and some other uh, additional materials that, I, that are thrown in there. So it's a pretty cool book. You know, I decided to go 100% uh, 21st century. It's a digital ebook only. And I'm yeah. and I'm decided to self-publish this one, so it's only yeah. available through me, through my website, and um, uh, you won't find it anywhere else. So that is awesome. So Josiah gets more than my full endorsement is worth. So definitely, if you are looking for just a big uh, method of of creative improvisation, go out and get it. What's it called again? It is called. Um, uh, creative improvisation, a concise method. And I use the term concise loosely. It's a pretty big book, but the, the good thing is, you know, um, there's so much in there that, you know, people can just take what they like and uh, come back to the other stuff later if they're not ready for it or just ignore it if they're not interested in it. Awesome. Where can everybody listening go and find this book right now? It's on the shop page on my website. So just my full name, josiahbornasian.com slash shop. And uh, once you're on my website, you can also see, you know, you can read more about me. Uh, you can see my little blog where I, I occasionally post topics of interest and my mailing list. It's all there. So um, uh, maybe I can have you throw up the, the link on the, on the website so uh, people yeah. don't have to struggle spelling my name. Absolutely. Yeah, we will have it in the show notes today, uh, his website where you can go find the book. But it's Josiah Bornasian, Josiah, J-O-S-I-A-H, and then last name B O O. R-N-A-Z-I-A-N dot com. Yes, I know all about those nasty, horrible, confusing last names, too. So Yes, indeed. We, we're in the same boat we, there. <laughs> we are in the same boat. Hor like hard marketing names. That's all right. Um, all right. Well, hey, Josiah, thank you so much for being on the show, for just laying it down. Uh, I really appreciate it, and I know that we're just going to have you back on eventually in the future. Thanks so much for having me. And, you know, thanks for letting me be a part of the community. It's a real pleasure for me. It's so fulfilling and it's uh, been a joy. That is all for today's show, folks. I want to thank you so much for listening. Thanks for tuning in. And a big special thanks to our guest, Josiah Bornasian, for laying down uh, pure gold today and uh, just laying down a lot of value. So I really appreciate him, josiahbornasian.com. Hey, if you got uh, a lot out of this podcast today or maybe you've been listening for a while and you really enjoy this show, I always say this, but please leave a rating and a review on iTunes or uh, if not on your favorite podcast listening service. 
That really helps other people find the show. We are trying to get to uh, 200 by the end of the year. I think we can do that. I think that's quite possible. So if you've been listening for a while, you've never left a kind rating and review on iTunes, uh, go for it. Do it right now. Probably takes like one minute to do. Pretty pretty fast, actually. It doesn't take up too much of your time and helps us out a lot. So thanks so much for doing that in advance. Hey, we're going to be coming out with another great episode, as always, next week. So don't miss it. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the LJS Podcast, brought to you by LearnJazzStandards.com. Subscribe to the series on iTunes. And don't forget to join our jazz community at LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash newsletter. Hey, podcast listener, would you like to ask me a jazz question and get it answered here on the show? Then go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. That's learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. I look forward to hearing your question and answering it on a future podcast episode. Learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask or find the link in today's show notes.